Section 18 of Nye and Riley's Wit and Humor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Nye and Riley's Wit and Humor. Section 18. The Grammatical Boy. By Bill Nye. Sometimes a sad, homesick feeling comes over me when I compare the prevailing style of anecdote and school literature with the old McGuffey brand so well known thirty years ago. Today our juvenile literature, it seems to me, is so transparent, so easy to understand that I am not surprised to learn that the rising generation shows signs of lawlessness. Boys today do not use the respectful language and large, luxuriant words that they did when Mr. McGuffey used to stand around and report their conversations for his justly celebrated school reader. It is disagreeable to think of, but it is none the less true, and for one I think we should face the facts. I ask the careful student of school literature to compare the following selection which I have written myself with great care, and arranged with special reference to the matter of choice and difficult words, with the flippant and commonplace terms used in the average schoolbook of the day. One day, as George Pilgarlick was going to his tasks, and while passing through the wood, he spied a tall man approaching in an opposite direction along the highway. Ah, thought George in a low, mellow tone of voice, whom have we here? Good morning, my fine fellow, exclaimed the stranger pleasantly. Do you reside in this locality? Indeed I do, retorted George, cheerily doffing his cap. In yonder cottage, near the glen, my widowed mother and her thirteen children dwell with me. And is your father dead? exclaimed the man with a rising inflection. Extremely so, murmured the lad. And, oh, sir, that is why my poor mother is a widow. And how did your papa die? asked the man, as he thoughtfully stood on the other foot a while. Alas, sir, said George, as a large, hot tear stole down his pale cheek and fell with a loud report on the warty surface of his bare foot. He was lost at sea in a bitter gale. The good ship foundered two years ago last Christmas tide, and father was foundered at the same time. No one knew of the loss of the ship and that the crew was drowned until the next spring, and it was then too late. And what is your age, my fine fellow? quoth the stranger. If I live till next October, said the boy in a declamatory tone of voice suitable for a second reader, I will be seven years of age. And who provides for your mother and her large family of children, queried the man. Indeed I do, sir, replied George in a shrill tone. I toil oh so hard, sir, for we are very, very poor. And since my elder sister Anne was married and brought her husband home to live with us, I have to toil more assiduously than heretofore. And by what means do you obtain a livelihood, exclaimed the man in slowly measured and grammatical words. By digging wells, kind sir, replied George, picking up a tired ant as he spoke and stroking it on the back. I have a good education, and so I am able to dig wells as well as a man. I do this daytimes and take in washing at night. In this way I am enabled barely to maintain our family in a precarious manner. But, oh, sir! Should my other sisters marry, I fear that some of my brothers-in-law would have to suffer. And do you not fear the deadly fire-damp? asked the stranger in an earnest tone. Not by a damp sight, answered George, with a low gurgling laugh, for he was a great wag. You are indeed a brave lad, exclaimed the stranger as he repressed a smile. And do you not at times become very weary and wish for other ways of passing your time? 
Indeed I do, sir, said the lad. I would fain run and romp and be gay like other boys, but I must engage in constant manual exercise or we will have no bread to eat, and I have not seen a pie since Papa perished in the moist and moaning sea. And what if I were to tell you that your Papa did not perish at sea but was saved from a humid grave, asked the stranger in pleasing tones. Ah, sir, exclaimed George in a genteel manner, again doffing his cap, I am too polite to tell you what I would say, and besides, sir, you are much larger than I am. But my brave lad, said the man in low musical tones, do you not know me, Georgie? Oh, George! I must say, replied George, that you have the advantage of me. Whilst I may have met you before, I cannot at this moment place you, sir. My son, oh, my son, murmured the man, at the same time taking a large strawberry mark out of his valise and showing it to the lad. Do you not recognize your parent on your father's side? When our good ship went to the bottom all perished save me. I swam several miles through the billows and at last utterly exhausted gave up all hope of life. Suddenly I stepped on something hard. It was the United States. And now my brave boy exclaimed the man with great glee, see what I have brought for you. It was but the work of a moment to unclasp from a shawl-strap which he held in his hand and present to George's astonished gaze a large forty-cent watermelon, which until now had been concealed by the shawl-strap. End of section 18. Recording by Philip Gould.